When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 15. Episode 32. This is Writing Excuses, short story markets with Aaron Roberts. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Lottie. And I'm Aaron. Thank you. We are very excited to have Aaron Roberts with us for this episode. Aaron, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a writer primarily of short stories. I've had short fiction published in Asimov's and in Clark's World, The Dark, and Podcastle. And I also was which is great for this particular episode, a slush reader for Escape Pod for about two years. That is fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, this is, as most of our episodes are this year, a uh, topic that was requested by listeners. And so we've got several questions, and most of these, rather than about fiction writing, are about fiction selling and fiction markets. So uh, I'm just going to start uh, the first one here. Uh, the question is, with so many short fiction markets, does a good short story author need prolificacy to gain notice and readership? Maybe, maybe no. the first question is, uh, <laughs> what, what are, he says, with so many short fiction markets, um, the short fiction market is so different today than it was when I was breaking in like 15 years ago. What are the short story markets? Uh, what are... I mean, without an exhaustive list, obviously, where are the places people can look today to sell short fiction? So one of the things about this is that I'd, I'd like to try to give this advice in a way that says evergreen is possible. Um, so because markets are constantly uh, appearing and disappearing, um, and that's been true through the entirety of publishing. Mm -hmm. um, so... What you're looking for are markets that you, did you kind of want to be in, and the best places to find those are places that collect lists. Um, and so you can go to some place like um, the Submission Grinder or Duotrope or Rollins, or you can go to an anthology of books uh, of you know fiction that is award winning, uh, and look to see where those pieces were published. Those are those are all places that you can find markets, but the uh, the process of figuring out which market you want to be in 
um, like giving you a list of, ah, this market is um, like we can do that, but it's not. Yes. The the chances of it being outdated a month after we record this is pretty strong. (laughs) I also think that a lot of it's about you, the kind of stories that you like. Markets are different. They all have different styles. They all have different sort of editorial focuses. So I would always say read a lot of current short fiction and see, are you gravitating to a certain market? Are you like, oh, the stories in X are the stories that I would love to be alongside? Because one of the best things about being published in a short fiction magazine is saying like, well, my story is great, but also, oh my gosh, these other stories, I'm so excited to be a part of this. So back to the question then, um, in order to really get out there to gain a readership, to gain notice as a short fiction writer, do you need to be prolific? Do you need to be constantly publishing in tons of different markets? I don't think that you do. I mean, when you when you look at uh, someone like Ted Chang, he does not constantly publish. It's like it it is it is a thing you can do, but the the question I would ask is why do you want to be noticed? Like what are you trying to gain from that? So here, here is my advice when you're, you're thinking about like what market to go into. And this is tagging onto what Aaron says about like, what is important to you? Um, that there are, I think, three things that help you decide what market to look at. One is the size of the audience. The next is the pay rate. And the third is the shininess. So audience is literally how many people are going to see this thing. Pay rate is exactly what it sounds like. Are you being paid adequately for your effort? And uh, and then the shininess is how much do you want to be in this particular market? Like, you know, there's I, I grew up reading the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. So getting into that magazine was that was that was shiny for me, um, even though they didn't have the best pay rate when I got in. Uh, Shimmer magazine is beautiful um, and I wanted to be in Shimmer, even though the the market size is very small. Um, so you know that that varies. But at other points in my career, where um, like there was a point when we were in New York, and I was supporting uh, my husband and myself on our my my theater and writing income, which is exactly as large as you imagine that to be. Uh, and, uh, and so at that point, pay rate was the most important thing. So like the, the number of markets that you go into, the only thing that that affects is, um, you know, the, the two pieces of that, that, that you're affecting there are the number of eyes that are seeing your words and, uh, and how much money you're getting paid. And so for a career, it's like, which, which piece of that are you trying to manipulate? I'll also say that both as an editor and an agent, I was very scared of the word prolific. I didn't know prolificacy was a word, but I'd be, I'm even more scared of that one. Um, and I, it's possible to be prolific and be really good. But I think when there is a, there, this, the stress is on the quantity, it always makes me fear for, for the quality. So if someone's trying to, to just write and write and write, um, it, it immediately makes me suspicious that there isn't that much attention to editing and just letting the material rest so you can take a new look at it. Um, so I would, I would say for me, 
um, it's always best to just pay attention to what you're putting out there first and foremost. So I, I suspect part of uh, the uh, the thought process behind this question is someone who wants to break in to the market, someone who wants to gain notoriety, either because they want to then move on to, to getting a big publishing contract or, or something like that. So Lottie, you as an editor maybe are the one to answer this. To what extent does that matter? Um, does somebody need to become famous, quote unquote, as a short story writer in order to break in as an author? Absolutely not. Um, in, in the market, I also think editors use a little bit too much the idea of falling in love. Um, I think we, we kind of uh, lean on it a little bit too much. But it is true that a lot of the, the publishing process involves a, a couple of people just falling in love with your writing. So an agent falling in love with your writing and an editor falling in love with your writing. And often that doesn't really have anything to do with your previous platform. I just build on that to say that I think there, this question may also be coming from the idea that there's a way to sort of game the system of publishing. Like if you do this thing correctly and follow this path, it will lead you to glory, uh, so to speak. But I just don't think that's a good way necessarily to go because you have to love the writer you are instead of dream about the writer you wish you were and figure out if you're a prolific writer and that's your style, then go be prolific. Uh, but if you're not, don't stress about the fact that I will never succeed because I am not this other person. You know, live in your own career and your own writing style and process. Excellent advice. I want to break right now. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. for our book of the week, which is actually, appropriately, the Nebula Showcase. Mary Robinette, can you tell us about that? Yeah. So one of the things we've been talking about is how to find, you know, good markets. And uh, looking at a collection of award-winning fiction is a way to figure out wh which markets uh, people are publishing in that are um, that that other people are also reading. So the uh, the most 
We've got the uh, Nebula Award Showcase 2019, which was edited by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. Um, that has a collection of the winners and nom- nominees for the uh, 2019 Nebula Awards. So it's got people in there like Rebecca Roanhorse and Cam Spara and Sarah Pensker. And uh, and it's it's got a just a ton of really good fiction. Um, so if you want if you're wanting to get a better idea of the sort of landscape, grabbing the most current Nebula Award showcase, where, wh- whatever point you're listening to this, it may be that you're listening to this and are grabbing the 2020, the, the, uh, but grab that, um, and, and enjoy some really, you know, the, the fiction of people who are at the top of their game right now. Excellent. All right. Uh, there's another question here that I think is similar to the first one we had, but takes a different approach. Uh, what the question says is, by submitting to one of the most famous sci-fi fantasy magazines, I learned that they receive about 40 stories a day, but publish about 12 stories every two months, including those from established authors. I imagine many submissions are good, but how do you stand out from the crowd? So, Rather than, uh, you know, using short fiction to stand out in some other way, how do you stand out just enough to get published? How do you get noticed? How do you grab the attention of a short story publisher or editor? When I was a, so I'll say when I was a slusher, you know, we just read stories. So a slush reader for a magazine reads all the stories that come through the door and decides which ones to pass up to the, the editors. And at Escape Pod, actually, the, the process is blind. So we don't know who's sending it and if it's like my favorite author ever or someone I've never heard of. And what I learned from that is it's just write a story that grabs a reader. A slush reader is just a reader that has been given a particular title and a particular role. They're not any different than you as a reader, except maybe that they do it more. So when you're reading stories, what grabs you? That's the same thing that's going to grab someone at a magazine. So if you write a great story, then, you know, it should grab someone's uh, perspective and make them want to read more and publish it. So I'm going to add on that, that that is absolutely true. And also, there is a thing that happens uh, that I've I've seen. It happened to me. Um, happens to a lot of writers, which is that you're publishing or you're, you're submitting, and then you start getting the the uh, the you know the uh, personalized rejections, and then you make a sale, and you don't know why that story sold and none of the others have sold. It's like, what did I do? And you try to replicate it and you can't. And then you go through a dry spell where you don't sell anything again. And then suddenly you sell something and you have no idea why. Here is what I think is happening. And this is based on having uh, done the the slush reading that Aaron did, um, but in a slightly different form. I slushed for Asimov's, but I was, uh, they divided their slush into three piles um, the first was uh, complete unknowns. And then the second, the, the B pile was people who had some credits. Uh, and then the A list was people who'd already sold to, to Asimov's. Um, and so, and all that that was really doing was kind of triaging um, the, the sort of process. And some people in the B pile were people who'd been in A and, or been in the, the C pile and gotten moved in. um, for a slightly closer read. But what it meant was that I was reading stories and all of them were competent. Like every single story in that pile was competent. And the thing that 
was frustrating was that for a long time, I was like, ah, yes, I understand why editors so frequently say, write a story that rises above and that they can't, they can't describe what this rises above means. But comparing what is happening with that pile with the authors that I know and myself who, who can't, who are like, why, why did this one work? Here's what I think is happening. I think what happens is that you learn to write a competent story. And then you learn to trust yourself. And that, that there is a period of time in which you are writing competent stories and there's nothing structurally wrong with that sucker. But you are so focused on the technique of it that you aren't actually thinking about all of the things, you aren't interrogating any of the things that you are actually interested in, and you're trying to mimic things that other people are doing. So they're, they're a little bit stiff, they're a little bit predictable, but there's nothing wrong with it. Like no one can point at it and go, Some, this is wrong here. And then there's a point at which you write a story that is coming com- very much from your own self. And those are the stories that are unique and stand out because they are stories that no one else could write. And the stories that don't stand out are stories that anyone could have written. They're just, there's, and again, there's nothing wrong with them. They're just not doing that extra step of, of letting your own voice out. Uh, and in this case, what I mean by voice is your own personal taste out. So I think that one of the things that you can do is to, as a, as a writer, is to remember that you have honed your reading experience over your entire reading career, which is much longer than your writing career, and to trust your reader instincts over your writer instincts. That sounds like awesome advice. And we, unfortunately, are out of time. We've got uh, some homework coming from Lottie. Yeah. So I wanted to pick a couple of contemporary published short story writers and just trace their publication history. So you can see where they've been published, at which point in their career, and hopefully that will help you start sketching a roadmap for your own. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening. This is Writing Excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.